Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back to Parsha Perspectives for today. This week we have the privilege of reading and learning Parsha's Shoftim. We continue with Moshe's charge to the Jewish people on this last day of his life. His fantastic Musr, his message of what life is all about, how to live life to its fullest. I want to thank our generous Parsha series sponsors for the year, dear friends Becky and Avi Katz, and family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lila Nisramas, Dovah ben Menachem Manush, uh, David Grossman, thank you so much for your generosity. Also, this morning's shir in particular is dedicated by the Bigelizen family. L'zeich nishma Shimon David, Hashem Yikom Damo ben Yaakov Shlomo Bigelizen upon the 20th year site of his murder in the 9-11 attacks. Thank you so much for your generosity and for your sponsorship this morning as well. If you'd like to sponsor a future shir, whether it's Parsha Perspectives or any other, you can do it easily today. brsonline.org slash sponsor. brsonline.org slash sponsor. Choose a date, put in the language, make the payment all in one easy, seamless, frictionless way. Please uh, help continue to support our Torah learning and our Torah teaching. Okay, Parsha Shoftim begins on page 1024 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash. Shoftim v'shotrim titein l'chol b'chol sh'arecha asher Hashem l'kecha nosein l'cha l'shvatecha. Judges, Shoftim are judges, Shoftim officers, policemen. Titain Lacha, one has to place in all their gateways, in all of their cities. And they will judge the people with righteous judgment. There are several significant grammatical shifts in this Pasuk, which we're not going to get into, including from the singular to the plural, including from the first person to the second person. There are several shifts that all beg. Ask me that El beg to be understood. We're not going to get into that, but rather we're going to skip right to a insight of Rav Druk. We shared several of Druk's last year on Parsha Shoftim. These are different insights of Rav Druk on Parsha Shoftim. So Rav Druk wonders the following: The most famous insight. And all of Parsha Shoftim, most often repeated, is the Shoftim Shotim, Chosha Aracha means all the gateways to your soul, your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, all the ways in which we interact with the world, all of the senses that we use, we need to place judges and policemen. We need to have good judgment. And we need to police, we need to regulate ourselves. We're not only talking collectively for the Jewish people, we're talking individually, how we lead our lives, our ambition, our aspiration to be in control, to be disciplined, to be sovereign over ourselves, not to be creatures of habit and not to be creatures of instinct or impulse, but to live as shoftim v'shotrim, to live with good judgment, with mindfulness, and to live with regulating policing ourselves. So we quote that from the Chida, Chaim Vital, the Shla Kadosh. But if that's true, if that insight is true, another layer of meaning, in addition to the simple understanding of the text, that we're talking collectively, socially, communally, that in order to function with a sense of justice and righteousness, we need courts and we need police, but we're also talking individually. If that's true, what is the continuation of the Pasuk? Vishavtu esa'am mishpat tzedek. And therefore, you will judge the people with righteous judgment. The idea that you will use these policemen, these judges, in order to judge the people righteously suggests significantly that we're talking about collectively. We're not talking about the individual. So which is it? So says Rav Druk the following. He says, you know, one of the ways to influence, I wrote an article a couple weeks ago about influencers, the idea, this modern notion on social media, that there's a category of people called influencers and Jewish influencers. And how do we define influence and how do we define influencers? I wrote that some of our greatest influencers of modern Jewish history never saw themselves as influencers. They never even sought to be of influence. They meant to live their lives. And it turned out, Ramosha Feinstein's Zatzal, interviewed by the New York Times, when asked how he became a Gadol Ador, a post like Ador said, I never applied for the position. I never was approved for that position. People asked me questions and they liked the answers I gave, so they kept asking. Rabbi Salavechik, who perhaps gives smicha to more than any in history, and certainly modern history, only saw himself as a Pashida Malamed. He was a simple educator. He didn't see himself as a great or major 
influencer. And the examples go on and on. Labavitcher Rebbe, who it took a year to convince him to succeed his father-in-law. Rav Pam, who it took significant time and pressure to get to join the Moetzes Gedolei HaTorah in terms of influence. How did they want to influence the world? Not with a platform, not with a microphone, not with followers or friends, but rather by being a personal example, by living their lives to its fullest. Says Rav Druk, that's what it means. If in fact and if indeed we live up to that ambition and that aspiration to have good judgment, to be mindful, to regulate all that we do, we will be dugma ishid, we will be personal examples. And then shavtu asa'am mishpat tzedek. So namely, if we put a machsom lepicha, we have a filter on our mouth, and we only say that which is permissible. And we only look at the type of things we should be looking at. We only listen to and absorb and download the type of messages that are, we're meant to hear. Not God forbid gossip and slander, not judgment and criticism. Then, person who lives that level of life, that discipline, that sovereignty, that self-control, will be a personal example. So in other words, it's not imposing. It's not that we have judges and policemen who through their strength, through their power, are imposing themselves on the nation, on the people, and exacting and demanding justice. It means that if we have righteous people who have healthy judgment and who have policed their own behavior, the Shaftua Sa'am, that personal example will be contagious. That personal example will have an impact on everyone. Says of Druk, in fact, throughout Jewish history, the most powerful influence, the most powerful force has not been when people use power or coercion. It's rather when people use example, when they are a model and an inspiration for others to aspire to. Sometimes a child is misbehaving and we want to condition that child. So a person screams and a person lashes out and God forbid a person even practices corporal punishment. But it's not going to work. In today's generation and arguably in all time, it would backfire. The real answer is not simply to coerce, to impose, to punish, to condition, though sometimes those things are necessary, but it's personal example. Are we modeling the behavior we seek to see in others. So I'll tell you, listen to this amazing insight he continues with. We know we go back to Avram Avinu, and the Pesach tells us, why did God love Avram? Because he was the most righteous, because he was the smartest, because he had the longest Shemona Esrei, the longest Payas, because he gave the most Sukkah? No. Why did God embrace and love and choose to transmit his legacy through Avram? Pesach tells us, we don't have to guess, it's not a mystery. Says God, because I know, I know Avram. I know him well. And Avram successfully has transmitted, has communicated, has charged his children, his home, his family to observe my way, my path. So wonder many, Niskashu Rabbi, many have asked, wait one second, where do we see that Avram was mechanich, his children? Where do we see in the Torah that Avram explicitly articulated those values, that he explicitly communicated, transmitted them to the next generation? Where do we see that? So Rav Druk quotes his father of Mordechai Druk, the Josh Mordechai, who says, you know what? This is an incredible insight. He says, we don't in fact find it in the Torah. There is no verse that tells us explicitly that Avram actually articulated out loud, that he taught, that he educated his children directly. What it means, Leman I know that Avram was a personal example. I know that he modeled the behavior he wanted to see in his family. We see from here, we see that modeling, being an example, being an inspiration, is the most powerful source of influence. It's not how many friends, it's not how many followers, it's not how well we can edit what we post and publish online, it's not how well we can choreograph and curate the image that others see. It's personal example, that personal example. So, when we live our lives modeling that level of judiciousness, that level of self-regulation, then then the people will go along like Avram's children followed him, not because he demanded it explicitly, but because he lived it and he modeled it and we followed it directly. The Kutzkarebah.
told you this wonderful new safe from my friend Mendy got me, the Emes Ve'emuna, summarizing, collecting the insights of the Kotzker Rebbe. Shovtim Ashotim Dechab Sharecha, says Rav Menachem Mendel of Kotz, the Helega, the great Kotzker Rebbe. Titain Shovtim Bishotrim Lecha Daika Le'atzmoscha. Again, everybody has this insight. Place, place judges and policemen, not just in our cities and not just in our courtyards and not just in our communities, but for ourselves. Meaning, L'sha'er is to have judgment. L'sha'er is to evaluate, is to consider, is to analyze, is to draw a conclusion. When it comes to every decision you have to make, when it comes to every behavior, every action you have to take, when it comes to every circumstance, every dilemma you have to analyze, how should one do it? With shoftim, Vishotrim says the Kotzker, do it with good judgment and do it with self-regulation. Again, this is the key in the lesson to life. This is what we study on Wednesday mornings in Mesilas Yisharim. So much of the book, the Ramchal is teaching us to be a best or better version of ourselves means don't just fly by the seat of your pants. Don't just follow your instinct and your impulse. Don't just be like an animal. It means be mindful, be intentional, be present, be conscious in all that we do. In b'chol she'arecha, in everything that we have to be mesha'er, in every decision we have to make, in every determination that we have to do, shoftim v'shotrim. The way to do it is with shoftim. We have to have judgment, our own, and mar be'etza mar be'tfuna. The Mishnah tells us in Pirkei Avos, the more advice we seek, the more wisdom we have. So not only our own judgment, find people of good judgment and consult with them. Draw from their wisdom, their life experience, v'shotrim, and then police ourselves. It's not enough to be mindful, intentional. It's not enough to be thoughtful in considering our dilemmas and questions. But then Shotrim, when we execute, we have to be disciplined in what we do and in how we do it. And the parsha continues. So it begins in terms of establishing these systems. And then it tells us to be very careful. When it comes to these judges and it comes to these policemen, don't pervert judgment and do not respect someone's presence. Don't accept a bribe. The bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and makes just words crooked. Instead, we pursue justice. We're not going to elaborate at length. We spent time, I believe, last year's Parsha class on defining what this means. Shochad. That you and he are one. Shochad. Bribery unites us to one side. It doesn't allow us to see objectively and to reach what is a just conclusion because we are bribed to one side. So how far does this go? We gave a series of shirim, you can find it online, about protexia and bribery. Are you allowed to use protexia to get into Israel today? Can you use bribery to get to the head of the line, to cut the line, to skip the line, to be considered first for the booster for the vaccine or for any other consideration to get a grandchild into school by making a large donation um, or to get a child onto the uh, athletic team by making a large donation, a scandal of a couple of years ago. So shochad, shochad can blind anyone. Shehuva tachad. And notice the Pasuk says, It doesn't say it blinds the foolish. It doesn't say it blinds the ignorant. Blinds the wise. Even a person who's wise, even a person who's accomplished, it can blind. So the Kotzker, in this wonderful Sefer, Emes Ve'emunah, the Kotzker elaborates. He says, <laughs> Once a widow came before the great Sachet Shavarebbe. <laughs> so this widow rented an apartment and there was a Din Torah. There was a conflict with the, there was a dispute with the landlord. So the widow came to the Avni Nezer, the great Sochet Shavarebbe. She began to cry. If I am in fact uh, kicked out, if she forecloses on me, if I'm kicked out of the apartment, where am I going to live? She was crying. She was emotional. She was broken. So the Avni Nezer, of course, who had a compassionate heart, immediately felt terrible for this widow. So the Avnei Nezer recused himself because when she told him her story and was crying, it tugged on his heartstrings. He recused himself. So the Avnei Nezer said that tears are also a form of bribery. Not that the Almana, not that the widow was crying specifically as a form of bribery in the Avnei Nezer, but the result was he was bribed. He was sympathetic to her position. 
even before he heard the landlord's argument. So bribery doesn't only take the form of money. A bribery can take the form also of, a bribery can even take the form of tears. If a person is moved to tears by another, those tears can impact them to the form of swaying their opinion to be a form of, of bribery. Rashi says, Ki Bribery blinds, Because once you receive, once you accept that shmir, that bribery, it's impossible that you won't be inclined towards that direction. So says Rav Druk, when you think about that, Who are these judges? The Torah already talked about the criteria. Torah already talked about what are we looking for, the qualities in a judge. These judges are tzaddikim, they're righteous, they're smart, they're wise, they're accomplished, they're, they're wealthy, they don't need money. And nevertheless, when they receive some sort of a gift of a goodness from one of the litigants, they can no longer see objectively. They no longer see objectively. And that's what Rashi is telling us. It's impossible that the normal human condition, the human psyche, the way that we've been programmed and designed is that if somebody does a kindness, somebody does something good for us, we cannot help but find favor, show favor to them. We cannot see objectively anymore. Rav Meir Chadash, the great tzaddik, Rav Meir Chadash said, there's no suffix, there's no doubt that somebody who's righteous, a tzaddik, a chacham, is not going to find favor with one of the litigants because they receive money. They're not going to be bribed in the sense that they're doing something unjust or corrupt. They're not corrupt in that way. But what does it mean? So he suggested the great Rav Meir Chadash. He said, It's a very interesting insight of Rameer Chadash. Rameer Chadash says that we know when someone does a kindness for us, we have an obligation, we have a responsibility of hakaras hatov. We have to acknowledge and recognize and see and be grateful for the good. Hakara satov doesn't translate to gratitude, it translates to hakara, have a recognition. Recognize, identify, see, and express gratitude for the good that was done. And we learn from so many, Moshe Rabbeinu, who wouldn't strike denial, and so many other countless examples, how far Hakar Satov goes. Gratitude goes so far that we don't only express it to human beings, inanimate objects. The, the Nile River itself, Moshe could not strike the Nile River because he was grateful to the Nile for what it had done in saving his life. So we see how central the practice of Hakar Satov how defining it is to having good character, is to express gratitude. Gratitude takes humility. Gratitude is, hoda'a, is to be modelit, moda'al, we've shared that with many times, implicit in every expression of gratitude is the humility. I needed you, I benefited from you, I gained from you, I'm grateful to you. So therefore it is a core and central quality that we emphasize, is to be great in Hakara Satov, to express gratitude to say thank you for the good. So this is the Chiddush of Rav Meir Chadash. Listen carefully. When the Pasuk tells us, Lo shochad, don't take shochad, because it will be ye'aver chachamim are you telling me that chachamim and tzadikim are corrupt? They can be bought off? How could it be? If they're corrupt and they can be bought off, then they're not chachamim, then they're not tzadikim. The answer is they are. The reason Rashi's telling us It'll be yata es libo. The reason when they receive the bribe, they can't help but be influenced is not out of corruption. Because hakaras atov. Because the righteous, the tzaddikim, the chachamim, have conditioned themselves their whole lives to what? To be grateful to when something good has been done for them, that gratitude will incline them towards being favorable to one position. And that is what is unjust. So the injustice is not resulting from corruption. Chachamim tzaddikim are not corrupt. It's coming from a sense of hakarasatov. It's coming from a sense of gratitude. There are stories of Dayanim. One of the litigants held the door for them on the way in. They recused themselves. Even a small kindness, a small generosity, as someone holding a door, generates a hakarasatov, which can influence the Dayanim, the judges, in one direction or another. Rav wonders, the diktuk in the Pasuk, we said we were not going to answer, we'll answer part of it. 
Loshan Yachid, Lo Satem Mishpa, Lo Sakir Panim, Lo Sikach Shochad. The beginning of the Pasuk addresses the individual. You, the judge, do not accept a bribe, don't show favor. And then it ends, Loshan Rabbim, Hashochad Ya'aver Pikchim, Visalev Divrei Tzadikim. Now we shift from the instruction to the individual to the observation about the plural. Why do we shift from one to the other? So he says, We see something profound. That, I'll talk to you outside. Torah is telling us that it begins by buying off one judge. But then that judge is now going to sit with his colleagues, his peers, and he's going to make an argument for the litigant who bribed him. And now the result will be the entire court will be compromised by the bribe. So it begins Lashon Yachid and ends Lashon Rabbim because it begins with one person being on the take, one person being bought off, one person being bribed, but the result of the one person who's bribed, the conclusion of the individual who's bribed, is that it impacts the many, more than just that individual, and that's why the grammar shifts from Yachid to Rabbim. There's a shift from the individual to the plural because uh, what began as bribing one person, they go to the committee, they go to the board, they go to they go to the uh, admissions committee, they go to whatever, the one individual is bought off, then advocates and lobbies and ends up ultimately corrupting the entire system. Perak Tezayim Pasuk we're on the third Pasuk, flying through the Parsha Shia this morning. Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdof, Lamantechev, Yerash, Tzedek, Asher Hashem, Elokecha, Nosein Lach. Tzedek, Tzedek, Righteousness, Righteousness, shall you pursue. We have an obligation, we have a responsibility to pursue and to chase righteousness. What does that mean, tzedek, tzedek, tirdof? I've told you the Medrash many times, I think maybe every year I quote it, because there's certain Divrei Torah which every year on that Parsha strike me once again and are so profoundly important to me each and every year. So tzedek, tzedek, tirdof, according to one interpretation, tzedek, bit tzedek, tirdof. One has to pursue justice with just means. The end do not justify the means. You cannot be corrupt. You cannot be unjust, unrighteous in your pursuit, even of a righteous cause. So no matter how righteous your cause, you're standing up for the widow, the orphan, the underprivileged, the minority. You're standing up against bias, against racism, against hatred. You're standing up against anti-Semitism, anti-Israel. No matter what just cause one's standing up for, they have to pursue justice with justice. You cannot cut corners. You cannot act corruptly, even in the noble pursuit of justice. Tzedek, bit tzedek, tirtof. Pursue justice with a sense of justice. The Sarshalom of Bells, the great Bells of Rebbe, the Sarshalom of Bells, answered differently. He said tzedek, tzedek, tirtof means one has to practice tzedek with two types of friends, with two types of acquaintances, with two types of associates. Tzedek, with those who treat you well, tzedek with your chaver, practice righteousness and justice with your friend, with a good person, and also tzedek, afilu imisha asa itchara, even with a person who has done something cruel to you. Someone's harmed you, someone's been cruel to you, someone's been unfair to you, one has to confront, nevertheless do so with a sense of justice. Not vigilante justice, not revenge with the Torah forbids, but tzedek b'tzedek tirdof. So when one has a litigation with a friend, do it b'tzedek. You have to do it with righteousness. You have to do it in the right venue. You have to go to a bezdin. But tzedek also im even with somebody who is not good to you, who is unkind to you, who's harmed you, who's injured you, somebody who's impure, somebody who's not just, tzedek tzedek. Tzedek with the chaver, tzedek with the good person, and tzedek with the bad person, said the Sar Shalom of Bells. That's why there's the repetition, tzedek, tzedek, tirdov. And he explains, can he also interpret, listen to this, you can interpret the famous Pasuk, one of the mottos of the Jewish people. We are obligated to love our neighbors as ourself, ani Hashem. Why does it say, l'reacha? It could have just said, v'yahavta es reacha. Love your neighbor kamocha, like yourself. Why v'yahavta l'reacha? And why end ani Hashem? So says Rav Druk, expanding on the Sarshalom of Bells. He says, Ikra mitzvah b'zeh lorak sh'yehova adam eschavei hatov shenaim v'tov lo le'ehova so. You're not obligated. We're not only obligated to practice avas Yisrael and to love the person who's good and kind and who's similar to us. Ela'af mi shuhura lecha. Somebody who's unkind to you. Somebody who's not good to you. Gam yesh mitzvah she'te'ehov oso kamocha. We also have to love the person who's imperfect. We have to love the person even if they are not good. And that's what it means. V'yahavta l'reya cha. 
Rea ra lecha. Read lereacha, not love your neighbor as your friend, but love lera ra lecha. Lereacha ra lecha. Even the person who's been unkind, who's been cruel, who's been harmful to you. Why? Because God practices kindness. God finds that which is redeemable in every one of us. And we have to find that which is redeemable in others. Doesn't just mean love your friend, love the someone similar to you. Love the person who's good to you. Love even the person who's, who's not good to you, who's unkind to you. Love even the bad person. Love even the not nice person. Ani Hashem, because it all comes from Hashem. So that's the idea of the Sarshalom Abel's Tzedek Tzedek Tirdov. Not only Tzedek bit Tzedek Tirdov, pursue justice with justice, but also to whom do we direct the justice? We have to be so committed unequivocally to justice that we pursue justice not only with those who deserve it, we pursue justice even with those who don't deserve it. Even with those who we don't want to give them their day in court. We don't want to allow the justice system to work. Even with them, we have to pursue justice. Tzedek, tzedek, tirdof. Tzedek, tzedek, tirdof. That is what the Torah is telling us. Okay, very good. There's another interpretation. Why tzedek, tzedek, tirdof? The Gemara Baba Basra Daf Yerim and tells us, Rabbi Lazar, Hayanosin pruta la'ani, vurak la'achar mikain omed umispalel. Rabbi Lazar would first give tztaka, he would put some money in the pushka, and only then would he stand up and rise to daven. Shinemani betzedek echazepanecha. With tzedek, I receive, I see your face, Hashem. So before one davens, they give tztaka. The Arizal said, before you daven, you say, person accepts upon themselves to be fulfilled via Hashem, before I turn to you, our collective parent, and ask you to do something kind for me, let me show you that I love my siblings. Let me show you I love your other children. So similarly, to give tzedakah before davening, let me show you, God, how committed and devoted I am to my siblings, to your other children, before I turn to talk to you, to ask you. The Rambam in Hilchus Matnos Aniyam writes similarly. He says, The Rambam in Hilchus Matnos Aniyam, Perak Yod Alacha Tezvav, writes that the great ones would give staka before davening. So what do you see? The mitzvah of staka and giving a pruta to an ani is called tzedek. What do we call tzedakah? We call giving away money tzedakah. We don't call it chesed. Giving money to a cause, giving money to an individual, giving money to Shabbos, giving money to the shul, the mikvah, kashos, the kolal, the eruv. Giving money is called tzedakah, not chesed. It's called tzedakah. The Rambam has a beautiful insight on why that is. Because my money is not my own. One would think, the Rambam wonders this question. He said tzedakah, there's nothing tzedek, there's nothing just about my giving my money to someone else. It's mine. I worked hard for it. I earned it. It belongs to me. It's chesed. It's loving kindness. It's compassion. Where's the tzedek? Where's the justice in taking what I earned and what's rightfully mine and giving it to others? Says the Rambam, you misunderstand. What you have, you are a steward over, you're in charge of, but it's not yours. Yes, you worked hard and yes, you could take pride and yes, you earned in some ways, but you only are successful and you only have it because of the graciousness of God. All the money that we have is God's deposit with us. We are stewards over his money. He's the senior partner in every endeavor we undertake and every money that we have. And therefore, when he says, allocate 10% of your income to help your siblings, my other children, that's not a chesed. It's not a kindness. We're not going above and beyond. It's tzedek. It's righteousness. And it's just. So based on the Rambam description, that when one gives money, no saint staka, no saint pruta la'ani, that's called tzedek. Now you can apply tzedek, tzedek, tirdov. Tzedek, tzedek, tirdov. Give staka before you daven. Tzedek, tirdov is your pursuing justice through your davening. So tzedek, tzedek, tirdov. Give staka, then pursue tzedek through the davening, through the davening that we're doing. Another interpretation, perhaps, about why we have the double language. Tzedek, tzedek, tirdov. Perak Yitzayim, Pasuk, Pasuk Yirches. Moving right along. We deal with a mum, a blemished sacrifice. Lo yemum kol davara, tovas Hashem elokechahu. That is an abomination to God to have a sacrifice that has a mum. And then we talk about 
an idolater who receives the death penalty. And then we talk about the key poly Davar the Mishpat. We elaborated on this, I believe, last year as well. The different types of Damodam, Din Din, Nega and so on, some homiletical ways that we can interpret that interpret that beautiful Pasuk. And then we get to the question of the king. Kisavor Allah Aretz, on page 1028, the Arts Girl Stone Chumash, Perak Yidzayin, Pasuk Yidalad, chapter 17, verse 14. Kisavor Allah Aretz, Asher Hashem Lokecha Nosein Lach, Virishta, Viyashavta Ba. When you get to the land that God bequeaths to you, and we inherit it, we acquire it, and we, and we settle it. Viyamarta, and you will say, Asima Alai Melach, I want a king like all the nations around me. Torah says there's a mitzvah. God will choose the king. It's not a general election. There's no primary. God chooses the king. But no problem. Can a convert qualify? Who qualifies? It's a king, not a queen. Sifri says that's why women don't have positions of srara. How does that apply to women rabbis and women shul presidents and women in positions of leadership and distinction? Not for now. Fine. Torah tells us. Now this king, the king who you crave and you desire because you want to be like the nations around you. You want to have a similar system of governance. And so God says, okay, is it a concession? Is it an ideal? You have to compare our psukim here in Parsha Shoftim with the story of the first king of Shaul HaMelech. And the story in Shmuel uh, of his appointment. Is it a concession or is it an ideal? Again, also not for now. But one of the requirements of the king, Pasuk Yerches, beforehand, go back to Pasuk, he can't have too many wives, can't have too much material property because it can corrupt him. It can distract him. And the king has responsibilities. The king serves the people. The king's responsible for the people. We're in chapter 17, verse 18. And it will be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, the Kasavlo Torazos al Sefer He has to write for himself two copies of the Torah from the before the Kohanim and Levium. His personal Torah has to be with him. He reads from it all the days of his life. In order that he learned to have awe, to have fear of God. To be familiar with, to observe, to pursue all the laws of the Torah. So one copy of the Torah sits in his treasury and the other is with him at all times, has to be accessible. He reads it, he learns from it, it informs and inspires who he is. He carries it with him at all times. Even if he inherits a scroll from his father, he has to write his own. He has to write his own. My son-in-law Zofrov spoke about this mitzvah, the idea that the king, Chassan is Dom Melach, a chassan is like a king, and on the one hand, what we inherit from our parents informs and inspires who we are, the homes we want to build, but we also have to write our own Sefer Torah. We have to write our own legacy. We have to write our own story. We have to write our own narrative and our own next chapter. So this king has to read. The Rambam says that the king has to learn from this Torah every day. It's very unusual. We know the responsibilities of a king. Imagine if the president or prime minister's responsibility is not only to govern the people, and it's not only to watch over the branches of government, or at least his branch, the executive branch of government, but imagine there was a responsibility for daily study. Imagine he had to read every day. There was a quota. He had to read, he had to study every day. That is, in fact, our practice, to read and to study every single day. It is a responsibility that we have. So on this, the of Los Mishnah Torah that he has to write and he has to read, why? So Rav Mordechai Tzukerman, of Mordechai Tzukerman in his uh, Sefer, Lev Mordechai, says the following insight. Notice it says, Levilti rom levavo me'achav. What will happen? He has to write this Mishnah Torah, he has to write the Sefer Torah, and he has to read it all the days of his life. Levilti. It doesn't say, U levilti. And so that he does not become arrogant. It says, Levilti without a vav. Shabbalah says, Tam lamashakasa mirosh b'tzivu k'siva Sefer Torah. Because the Pasuk is telling us the very reason. Why did the Torah, why does Hashem require the king to write a Torah? The Habir, and the answer is that the king is in a position of power. And the people fear the king because the king has the capacity for capital punishment. So the person is the most power. I don't remember who was the one who said the famous quote, that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I forgot who's the author of that statement, but the statement remains true until this very day. 
Notice what's happening with the governor of New York. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. The more powerful a person is, the more vulnerable, the more susceptible they are to that power going to their head, to thinking they are above the law, above the rules, to think that they're better, superior to everyone else. So the Torah builds in the antidote, the answer. This king, who is the most powerful, in order to protect the king's humility, in order for the king have a sense of context, in order for the king to not allow the power to corrupt him, absolutely, he has to read it all the days of his life. If he skips a day, if he doesn't read the Torah every day, the Torah is our anchor. The Torah is our compass. The Torah keeps us humble. So when a person has dedicated time every day to read, to study, to learn, to challenge themselves, to hold up a mirror to themselves, to aspire to a better version of themselves, then we can overcome that instinct or urge to become corrupt or to allow the power to go to our head. So says the Lev Mordechai, we can learn from here. Everyone has a challenging quality. And the answer, the answer to whatever quality we're trying to overcome. Some people struggle with envy, some arrogance, some judgment. Some people have anger, they fly off the handle. Some people are jealous. Whatever the quality is that a person's struggling with, the answer, the answer, not somebody who's diagnosed, who needs therapy, medicine, intervention, but we're talking about general personality challenges that we all have, normative challenges, the answer is don't ever stop reading Torah, learning Torah. Daily Torah study is our anchor, it is our compass, it's the magnifying glass we hold to ourselves, and it is the compass that lets us chart our path forward. That's what the Gemara Kedushan says, God says, I created the Yitzhahara, I created the Torah as the spice. And Rabbi Sorosh Salantar says, that in addition to learning Torah, one has to learn within Torah what is specific to our tchunos, to whoever we are, our individual personality. Now, this Gemara and Kedushan, Barasi Yitzhar, Barasi Torah Tavlin, we mentioned last night in Siddur Snippets, the question, we're going to answer it tonight, so stay tuned, I'll give you a little cliffhanger here. But why does it say Barasi Torah Tavlin? Tavlin are spices, cumin, cinnamon, salt, pepper, whatever you're putting into the recipe. So God says, I created the Yitzhahara. I gave you that instinct. I gave you that animal impulse. I gave you that drive or desire, even for things that are not good or that will sabotage your success. But don't worry. Equal and opposite, far greater than it. Barasi, I also created Torah as, end the sentence. I would have ended the sentence. I created Torah as the medicine, the elixir. I created Torah as the antidote. That's not what it says. The Gemara says, our tradition is, God says, I created the Sahara and I created Torah as the Tavlin. Torah is the spice. What does that mean? Torah is the spice. Why would you add spice to the Yitzhahara? Won't that flavor the Yitzhahara? So that's the question we asked last night in our Siddur Snippets. We're up to B'chol Levavcha, B'chol Nafshecha, B'chol Ma'odecha, and we'll answer it tonight. But along those lines, Barasi Yitzhar, Barasi Torah Tavlin, God says, I created Yitzhar, and I created Torah as the answer. That is the answer here for the king, that the king has to carry a Torah all the time, and the king has to learn from that Torah in order to stay grounded as his anchor, as his compass, as his navigation tool through life. I missed and I skipped something I wanted to share from the Lev Eliyahu. So let's go back to the beginning of the parsha for a moment. Please forgive me. From the Lev Eliyahu. And the Lev Eliyahu says the following, We're going back to the first passage for one moment. Bear with me. The Dvarim um, Rabbah, the Medrash, Dvarim Rabbah on our Pasuk, Place judges and policemen at all your gates. The Medrash, Dvarim Rabbah, here on this Pasuk, the Medrash says, What does it mean, place uh, judges and policemen. This is a reference to the Pasuk in Mishlei. The Pasuk in Mishlei, chapter 6, verse 6, says the following, Lech el namala atzel, Lazy, go to the ant, study the ant, its ways, and you will learn. The ant, without leaders, and without officers, and without rulers, it lays up in stores during the summer. Agra uh, bakatsir and it gathers in its food in the harvest. 
So what do you see in this Pasuk? So the Medrash says, Shoftim v'shotrim, appoint judges and appoint policemen, and that's what the Pasuk in Mishlei is teaching. Go look at the ant and study its way. Re'ei d'racha v'chacham. Look at the Nemala atzel. Go look at the lazy ant, study its way, and you will learn. From the lazy ant, you will chacham. So one can ask the Leveliyo, Leveliyo Lopian, the Mashkiach, Akfar Chasidim, says the following question. He says, Shlomo Melch is talking about an Atzal. Shlomo Melch, King Shlomo Solomon in Mishlei, is talking about a lazy person. So it should have said, Re'ei Durachecha, look at the ant. Not, not that the ant is lazy. Re'ei Lech El Nemala, Atzal, you, you lazy, good for nothing, Oisvar, bum, you, the Atzal, look at the ant. Look at its ways. The ant is always scurrying. The ant is always working. The ant is always making an effort. The ant doesn't sit still. So you lazy good for nothing. Lech, go look at the ant. And vechacham, you'll become wise. So what do you mean you'll become wise? Shouldn't it say, Re'e d'rachea zariz? Look at the ant. And then act. Jump. Go. Scurry. Do. The opposite of atlas, the opposite of laziness is, the opposite of atlas is not Chachma, it's not wisdom. What's the opposite of laziness is zrizus. Go look at the lazy ant and become a zariz and become, act with alacrity. Should it say re'ed Why does it say v'chacham? So I said the levaliyo the following. You see that the makor of atzlas, you see that the source of laziness is tipshus, ignorance, stupidity, foolishness. Timtum alei v'choser ha'argasha. Person has a contaminated heart. A person doesn't have the right feeling. You see that Chachma wisdom is not only about cognitive, it's not about the head, but it's about the feeling of the heart. So the opposite of Atlas, the opposite of laziness is wisdom. If you are wise, you wouldn't be lazy. If you were smart, if you had ambition, if you had drive, if you were thoughtful, you wouldn't be lazy. So the answer to overcoming laziness is not alacrity. The answer to overcoming laziness is chachma, is wisdom, and that's why Shlomo Amalek uh, couches it in that form. And that's what it means, shoftim v'shotrim titein lecha, have intention, mindfulness, wisdom, in all of our gates, in our head, how we carry ourselves. Perk Yud Ches, Pasuk Yud Gimel. Moving right along. Next page. Priestly gifts. Torah tells us the Kohen Levi, that tribe, were not given their own portion in the land, but rather they were allocated cities within the lands of others. They were the original model of a community kola. The Kohen and the Levim lived among everybody else. They taught, they inspired, they led. That was their job, that was their responsibility. And therefore we paid them, we supported them so they could be in that position of modeling that we spoke about at the beginning, v'shavtu kol ha'am, dugma ishit, the idea of the personal model. So here in this context, skip forward, we get to prophecy, we get to Shem sends prophets, Navi Akim, and we get to the Pasuk, Perk Yud Gimel, Perk Yud Ches, rather Pasuk Yud Gimel. Tamim Tia Im Hashem Elokecha. The Torah tells us, Tamim Tia Im Hashem Elokecha. Zog Rashi, Hishalach Yimo B'Tmimus, V'Tetzape Lo, V'Lo Tachkor Achar Ha'asidos. Tamim Tia means, Behold, be complete with Hashem. No superstition, no horoscope, no red bendel, no silliness. Stop pursuing silly superstitions. We left that behind in Egypt. Egypt was a culture of superstition, a culture of idolatry, a culture of paganism. We left that behind. We transcend that. So don't practice that. It means that whatever happens to us, accept it, receive it, betmimus. Behold, be complete, be shalim with whatever life throws our way. Don't consult a horoscope or a fortune cookie. Don't subscribe to silly superstitions. Recognize that everything is from Hashem. Tomem tia im Hashem lokecha, says Rashi. Look at the unklus. Shlim tehei bedachalta ta Hashem elokach. Shlim tehei, says unklus. What does it mean, tamim? How do you translate the word tamim to be tam? Be whole, be simple, be forthright, be complete. Just go with God. Don't let other considerations. There are no other considerations. Hashem. Hashem is the only one we care about. Recognize He's in charge, He's in control. We submit, we surrender to Him. Says Unklus, Tamim. How do you translate the word Tamim? Shlim, Shalem, Behold. Be Shalem, Behold, 
with God. Be shalim, be whole with God. Revolba says, what does it mean to be shalim? What does it mean to be whole with God? So the Rambam, the Rambam in Shemona Prak and Perak Dalad, the Rambam in Shemona Prak and Perak Dalad writes, Ha'adam ha-shalim tzarech lo sheyizko midosav tamid. V'yishko pu'ulosav v'yivchon t'chunas nafsha b'chol yom v'yom. What does it mean to be an Adam Shalim? What does it mean to be a whole person? What does it mean to be a person who strives to be whole? What does that mean to be whole? So the Ramam defines what it means to be whole, what it means to be shalim, what it means to be tamim. In Shemona Prakim Perik he says, Yishkor midosav tamim, it means to have a self-awareness. Yishkor pu'ulosav, it means to weigh our actions. Yivchon t'chunas nafsha yom v'yom. It means to evaluate, to assess, to consider who we are. What are our strengths and weaknesses? What are our personality traits? Who are we and what are we doing with our life and where do we want to go and what do we want to be? To be mindful and thoughtful about that. Every day. If you find you're extreme in any direction, quick, intervene. If you find you're extreme, quick, recalibrate, pivot. Get back to the golden mean. Opposite our eye, we should always be thinking every day, know what one needs to work on. Am I lazy? Am I envious? Am I arrogant? Do I get angry? What do I need to work on? What is my struggle? Do I not have kavana? Do I not make brachos? Do I not feel gratitude? Do I fly off the handle easily? Am I impatient? What do I need to work on? That should be before me regularly. And work hard to heal, to work on this. That's how the Ramam defines. So the Pasuk here says, which Rashi says means no superstition. Uncle says it means bishalim. What does it mean to be shalim, to be tamim? Says the Rambam. It means to be mindful, to be thoughtful. Many people are incomplete. They're not shalim. And in what way are they broken? In what way are they not shalim? They're just going through life. Whatever habit, whatever rope, rope, whatever momentum that life is carrying them. Our job, our responsibility is to stop, to be intentional, to be thoughtful, to assess who we are and who we want to be and how we're going to get there, to make goals and make resolutions in order to achieve them. And Revolba in Ali Shor elaborates, we don't have the time right now to read it, but based on this Ramam, he describes the whole origin, the idea of Musr, Learning Musr every day is the fulfillment of how to be a Shalem. If you want to be Shalem, if you want to be whole, the way to be Shalem, to be whole, is to be intentional, to be mindful. And how are we intentional and mindful? When you're running to work and the gym and carpool and life and dinner and bath time and bedtime, and there's so much to do, how can you be intentional and thoughtful and Shalem? The answer is, you need to learn a little Musr every day. Limud. Minisayon yadu ashakovei azman limud Musr yom yom right revolbe. Alei shor, perek peiches. That a person who learns Musa every day will transform themselves to the good. They won't even be able to feel it. Every day, incrementally, slowly, we will improve, we will grow, we will become better versions of ourselves. You can't necessarily even perceive it on a day-to-day basis, but at the end of the week, the month, the year, we can measure how different we are. If we're calm and we're patient and we're kind and we're good and we're thoughtful and we're mindful in all that we do. Our aim, our goal, our ambition. That's what learning Musr does for us. That's what Musr is all about. So Tamim Tiyah Mashem Lakecha is a description of our relationship to Hashem, but Tamim Tiyah is also a description of how, do one, how can one be a Shalim? The way to be Shalim is to be intentional, to be mindful, to be thoughtful in what we do. The Bear Moshe, Reb Moshe Al-Yakum of Koshnitz, the Bear Moshe, the Koshnitzer, has a different interpretation. He says the following, Tamim Tiyah Mashem Lakecha, Yishlomar al he says, You need to be Tamim. You need to go to the gym. You need to work out. You need to eat right. You need to get enough sleep. This LLR LL brochure just came out. You can pick it up in the BRS lobby or you can find it on the BRS homepage, brsonline.org. We have a great LL brochure included. We have a four-part series, Eat, Breathe, Sleep, Move. The four parts of being Tamim. How can you be whole? How can you be Shalim? You need to be healthy. If you don't have a healthy body and you don't have a healthy emotion, you're not going to have a healthy soul. Briam chazakim shleimim beguf benefesh baruch neshama. Eat right, sleep right, breathe right, and enough movement, move right. Don't be sedentary. Don't be still. So that we can cling to, we can connect with God. So that's what it means, says the Bermosha, the Koshnitzer. 
שמהרוי שתהיו תמים בשלימוס הגמור, אם השם לוקחה, שאתה צריך להיות דבק עם השם לוקחה, ולעבדו בשלימוס, אמן כן יהי רצון, he writes. That if you want to be שלים עם השם לוקחה, how are we שלים עם השם לוקחה? תמים תהיה עם השם לוקחה. If you want to be עם השם לוקחה, be תמים. Be תמים. If your health is not right, if your mental health is right, and if your emotional health is not right, then you won't be עם השם לוקחה. To be best positioned to succeed, to thrive, to flourish, in Hashem Lokecha, one needs to strive to be tamid, tamim, in every other definition, in every other way. Okay, moving right along. Perachaf Pesach Beis. Cities of refuge, we're going to skip. Perachites, Ari Mikla, we've covered many times. Edim Zomimim, what happens when witnesses lie, corrupt witnesses, fraud, and they get what they meant to exact on the other, and where that comes from. Perek Ches, Chaf, we're on page 1038. Perek Chaf, chapter 20, verse, Beis, Pasuk Beis. When you go to war with your enemy and you encounter many more people than you, don't be afraid. God is with us. When it was the War of Independence 1948, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, there are so many more Arab nations that surround Israel. Don't be afraid by the number. God is with us and we have seen it and we celebrate it in miraculous ways. And if you doubt that we can overcome an enemy that is greater in number and greater in might, just go back to the story of Egypt. He took us out then and he could help us succeed. Now, one has nothing to be afraid of. So when you approach war, the Kohen gets up and the Kohen gives a speech. The Kohen gives a charge to the people. And he says, Listen, Jewish people. Today you are approaching your enemy in war. Do not become faint-hearted. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. Don't be broken. Because God, we incorporate this Pasuk into the Tefillah for the Medina, Muidavan for our brothers and sisters in Israel, and for those serving in the IDF, this is the Pasuk. God, who goes before you, who fights for you with your enemies, He is the one who saves us. The Chidush Yerim has a comment on this Pasuk. Says the great Gera Rebbe, Rav Yitzchak Meir of Ger, the Chidush Yerim, Rashi says, who are we talking about? Shema Yisrael. Listen, you're coming close to war. So Rashi says, Even if the only, even if the only thing you have going for you is Shema, you have nothing to worry about. Where does Rashi get that from? The Pasuk says, Shema Yisrael. Listen. So the simple translation, the simple meaning or understanding is, listen carefully, you're going to war. But, the illusion, of course, the reference, Shema Yisrael's, hey, listen, soldier, even if you, soldier, are not observant, you're not righteous, even if you, soldier, have a lot of work to do, but if all you do is say Shema, that's enough, that you have no reason to fear. Hashem will have your back, Hashem will be with you at war, even if all you say is Shema. You need to have something that you are good at. Shema. So the Chidush Arim quotes the Yid, quotes the Yid, the, the Holy Jew of Peshischa, who says that you see from here that this soldier who neglects God in every way and all he has going for him is that he says Shema well every day and that's good enough, you see that a Jew should choose a mitzvah and focus. Take one mitzvah that we do incredibly well. What's your mitzvah? Every Jew has a mitzvah they can love. What's your mitzvah? What's your mitzvah? And similarly, or in parallel, find one Avera, not that's your Avera to do, that's your Avera to avoid. So one mitzvah, one mitzvah that you do with sincere intent, one mitzvah that you do vigilantly, carefully, one mitzvah that you do according to all the opinions, choose one mitzvah to embrace and lean into and make it your mitzvah. And choose one Avera, one thing you won't violate, one thing that you won't, you won't uh, be over. Now the truth is, it's not good enough. You can't just choose one and one. Obviously, we're bound by all the mitzvahs. And that's what it means here. And the Yehudi of Peshischa said that he chose a mitzvah, giving tzedakah. 
The one mitzvah he was careful with was giving tzedakah, always to give, never hesitated, gave generously. And the one of Eira was Arias, not to practice infidelity, not to have an affair, not to do an inappropriate, not to be lewd or licentious. And then the way to overcome the war with our Yetzirah is that we have one mitzvah we always have going for us that we can come back to, one Avera that we always avoid that we can come back to, and that's what it means. But Rav Druk notes, and many others do as well, that there seems to be a contradiction. There seems to be a stira going on here in these psukim. On the one end, we say that this soldier, who all they do is say Shema, that's good enough. That's good enough. They can be saved in war. They have nothing to fear when all they do is say Shema. And yet, on the other hand, we're about to read a whole group of people that we send home from war. The Gemaran Sota learns, who's the Yishai Yarei Varach Levav? Who is the fearful person who's faint of heart? The Gemara says, This is a person who's afraid of the Averos that they've done. Even someone who simply talks between the Tefillin Shayyad and Tefillin Shal Rosh, someone who speaks while putting their Tefillin on, we send you home from war. You're disqualified. You have to go home. So which is it? Is saying Shema good enough? That's all you need to do is say Shema? Or somebody who has Averos Biyado, somebody who's done Averos, we send them home. What is the, what is the rule? So he says the following. You see something powerful here. That, of course, somebody who's violated Averos, we send home. But even the person who's made mistakes, and even the person who has a negative record, but if all they do right now on the way to war is say Shema with great intent, we're learning Shema and Siddur snippets, it's what we're up to. Shema, this motto, this bumper sticker of the Jewish people. Shema, what Yaakov's sons answered when he was doubtful and concerned about whether in fact they were receiving his message. Shema, which is the statement, the only part of davening we're biblically obligated to say, the unity of Hashem's existence, the statement of our submission, of our surrender, of what religion really is all about. Even if this individual who has a negative track record, the individual is Yarei Varach Levav, who has Averis Biyado, but if all they do is say Shema, that's enough that Hashem is going to save you. You can stay. Shema can erase. Shema can purge. Shema can transform. Shema can create a new beginning, a new opportunity. And this is like the Gemara Kedushan. The Gemara Kedushan of Mimtes tells us the Mekazish Esaisha, someone who proposes to a woman, Amenas Tadarat Sadik, says, on condition that I'm righteous, then even if they're a Rasha Gamor, Mikudeshas. What do you mean? We just saw somebody coming out of McDonald's eating a cheeseburger, drinking something non-kosher on Shabbos with a non-Jew on their arm. Imagine all the Averos that you can all together. And now they propose to a woman, they try to betroth the woman, and they do so, saying, I'm righteous. And we say the marriage is good. What do you mean the marriage is good? That condition is met, they're righteous? The answer is yes. Simply pausing, hesitating, what Rav Soloveitchik coined, hear her tshuva. Not only the act of tshuva, simply the decision the mentality, the leap that I am going to make a huge transformation in my life, that is enough for the change to be different. Hear her tshuva, to make the decision. So this individual who says Shema, it's not a contradiction that we sent home for more Averos Biyado. The individual who says Shema is allowed to remain because it's not Averos Biyado. This individual, when they say Shema, has a new beginning, has a fresh start, is able to take it from the top, is able to take it from the from the beginning. He was able to take it from the beginning. Some translate, Averis Biado. You know what the problem is? Averis Biado? Where'd my Katsuki go? Averis Biado. Some translate, Averis Biado. What does the Katsuki say? Barashi, Averis Biado. The, the Katsuki also asks the same question. Who's going to fight in this war? Averis Biado. Any Avera, you have to go home? Even someone who speaks when, between Yishtabach and Yotzer Or? Who can say that they're qualified? Who can say that they're pure and perfect? And it says, Shema Yisrael Tem Kreivim, and Rashi says, So which is it? So listen to what the Kotzker does. Kotzker says, What does it mean? Who's the person who's sent home for more? Who's the individual who's fearful about the Averis Biyado? The truth is it's a person who hasn't violated any prohibition. It doesn't mean they actually violated. However, it's all they could think about. It's all that they fantasize and dream about. And they're so sad, they're so broken, they're so despondent. Such an individual can't go to war. The Yari Varach Levav is Averos Biyado. Averos Biyado doesn't mean that you actually did Averos. It means that you are 
distracted. You feel unworthy. You feel inadequate. You feel biado. You're carrying it with you always. We can't afford a soldier on the front line whose head is not in the game, who feels unworthy, inadequate. The soldier who feels, who's fantasizing, who's fixated on those Averos, we cannot afford to put our trust, our faith in them, to have them at the front line. And therefore, that's the individual. Averos, biado. They're holding on. They don't put down. They can't stop thinking. That is the individual who has to go home. A lot more to talk about. Subscribe here on our YouTube channel. Simply hit the subscribe button. When you hit subscribe, you'll become alerted in real time every time that we go live. And you can learn with us each and every time. Tomorrow morning, 8.15, 10 minutes of Mina Masil Sharm, 8.45, Living with Emuna. And I uh, hope you continue to join us and to learn together. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.